0: And we've been looking at the book of Galatians. We've been studying in Galatians how Christ has given us freedom. So this morning what I'd like to do is I'd like to read a passage from Galatians chapter 3. And uh, I'd like you to join, join along with me. If you've got a Bible, you can read it from your translation. Um, this is a different translation. Some of you may not have it. But I'd like to read this to you this morning, and then we're going to look at the differences between the law, man's efforts, man, and the promise, the seed, Christ. And as I studied this, I got excited because all I see is the beauty of Christ. All I see is the promises and the goodness of Christ and how he fulfills all, every single thing. You and I need, he fulfills. So I want to get into that, but first I'd like to lay the groundwork by reading this passage. It's out of the J.B. Phillips translation. It says, where then, starting in verse 19, where then lies the point of the law? It was an addition made to underline the existence and extent of sin until the arrival of the seed to whom the promise referred. The law was inaugurated in the presence of angels and by the hand of a human intermediary. The very fact that there was an intermediary is enough to show us that this was not the fulfilling of the promise. For the promise of God needs neither angel, witness, nor human intermediary, but depends on him, God, alone. Is the law then to be looked on as a contradiction of the promise? Certainly not. For if there could be a a law which had given men spiritual life, then that law would have produced righteousness, which would have been, of course, in full harmony with the purpose of the promise. But as things are, the scripture has all men imprisoned or in custody because they are found guilty by the law. That no that to men in such condition might come release for all who believe in Jesus Christ. Before the coming of the faith, before the coming of faith, we were all imprisoned under the power of law, with only our hope of deliverance, the faith that was shown to us. Or to change the metaphor, the law was like a strict governess or tutor um, that was until the school of Christ. We came and we learned to be justified by faith in him. Once we had that faith, we were completely free from the governance governess's authority. For now you have faith in Christ, you are all sons of God. All of you who were baptized into Christ have put on the family likeness of Christ. Gone is the distinction between Jew and Greek, slave and free man. Male and female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, you are true descendants of Abraham. You are true heirs of his promise. Amen. That's a a lot of words I've said there, but what I want to do this morning is I want to try to break it down, and I'd like us to see the difference of what the law produced or couldn't produce compared to what Jesus, the promise, produced. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, I just ask as we're sitting all in different places and in different homes this morning, that you would come through the airwaves, that you would come and meet family and family and member and individual by individual, and that you would speak to them. Holy Spirit, I ask that your word would come alive in them and we would see, all of us, the beauty of Jesus, and that we would fall in love with Jesus again. In your precious name, amen. So what I want to do this morning is I've written out a whole list of differences between the law and the promise, and my goal is, as I do this, is for us to see the beauty of the promise, the beauty of what Christ has done for us. Because what we've learned is when you go by the law, you will never satisfy the requirements. In James, it says if you offend in one point, you've offended in all. And, and there's, if you study the law of the Old Testament and the Old Testament scriptures and the, and the teachings and everything, you find out there was over 619 laws And some of the laws were ceremonial laws, and some of the laws were relationship laws, and some of the laws were man-to-God laws. We've heard of the Ten Commandments, but there was a whole pile of other laws and aspects that affected man. And when Jesus came, he said, I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets. Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled all the requirements of that. So the first thing I want us to see is that the law was not first. The law was not first. The promise was first, and that was in Abraham. Last week, Pastor Sean talked about the blessings of the promise that is found in Abraham, and that is for us. And it's not just a blessing of of, of family or legacy. For children, it's a blessing that affects every single part of your life. The blessing that God has for you, the promise that he has for you, Jesus Christ, affects every area of your life. So it came first. The law was not first. The promise was first. Have you ever received a promise from somebody? Usually... Not always, but usually when we have promises, they're meant for something good. Unless you're a child and your parent looks at you and say, I promise when your mom does, finds out or when your dad comes home, this is, then it's usually not a good thing. But typically when a promise comes, it's for something good to come and it's for something to happen in the future. So the promise was first. The law was 430 years later. 430 years later, the law came. And why did the law happen? It happened because of transgression. It happened because people crossed the line. Transgression. You might want to take notes because then when I have dead air time, you're writing at the same time and you won't feel like it's a... Dead air spot. But the law came because of transgression. And what happened is, until the law came, people, it, there was the ability to understand right and wrong was not quite there. Just like we have speed limits today. If there was no speed limit, nobody would know what over the speed limit would be. But all of a sudden, the speed limit comes and people realize, ah, there's a spot. And if I go past that, I am breaking the law. Now, the law was not perfect. The law was incomplete. It served its purpose at the time, but it was incomplete. The law was incomplete. In this passage we read, it said that if the law could give you righteousness, then there would have been no need for the promise, but the law was incomplete. Christ, the promise, is complete. Through Christ, you and I are complete. Don't add anything to Christ. Instead, spend time getting to know him because the more you get to know him, the more you will start to see what he has for you. You'll start to see that those Anger issues that you have can actually be dealt with through relationship with Christ and through forgiveness and through relationship and communication and all of a sudden those things that were incomplete that you could never achieve you are now starting to see happen and reconciliation happen because of Christ. So what was incomplete and unable in the law so in the law was unable But through Christ, it's able. As we go through this, and we won't go through my whole list, but as we go through this, my prayer is that you will see the beauty of Christ. You'll see the beauty of the promise. You'll see the amazing riches that we have through Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, In the law, there was effort. There was effort. And what was amazing about the law was they'd break the law, they'd have to deal with it, and then they'd end up doing it again. And then they'd have to bring the turtle doves, they'd have to bring their their peace offering, they'd have to bring their sin offering. But through Christ, he did it all. He is the one that did the effort. He is the one that provided the sacrifice and fulfilled the sacrifice. So through the law, we see the inability of the law to satisfy the relationship or the necessity or the holiness of God. Another aspect of the law, and it says in this passage, was that there was an angelic and a human mediator. There was somebody that took the law between God and man and instituted it, a mediator. If you read this passage from the J.B. Phillips, and if you read it in your passage, it it might read something like, there was the intermediate or there was the mediator between God and man, but God is one. And what they're saying in that passage is, God is the mediator. There is no other mediator except God. God. In 1 Timothy, Paul writes and he says that there is one mediator between God and man and that's Jesus. And Jesus is God with us. So Jesus is God, so the mediator is God. He doesn't need anybody between him and us. In fact, when you look at it, what you find out is that we have a direct relationship with Christ. We now have a direct relationship, direct contact. Historically, in the church ages, quite often they had an intermediary, the priest, I'm here to tell you, you have a direct access to Jesus. You have a direct access to God. You don't have to go through the priest. You don't have to go through this process or that process. You have direct relationship and direct access with God. So when you have a need, you can go direct to God. When you have a difficulty, you can go direct to God. When you have an issue that is frustrating you, you can go direct to God. Yes, you can talk with your pastor. Yes, you can talk to these other people. But you have direct access to God. The law, there was a mediator. They looked at it as Moses. But when Christ came, when the promise was fulfilled, which the seed refers to Christ, he was the mediator and it established direct relationship i love that i love that that you and i have direct access to the throne room that we have direct access to god i have found myself many times i will be going through something or doing something and i have a direct contact with the king And I have found no matter what time it is in the day, no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm busy in something, whether I'm sitting down, I have direct contact and I have direct connection and direct language with Jesus. And throughout the day, I have found many times I've been driving and I literally, under my breath, I just say, God, help me right now. And I have that, I don't have to stop the car and I don't have to dial 911 a pastor's number. I don't have to dial this number or that number. I have direct ability and direct connection with God, the beauty of Jesus. And you say, you might say, well, I know that already. Good. I'm here to remind you of it. Because I have found myself how much I have grown and loved studying this and looking at Jesus and seeing the direct relationship I have with him. In fact, a few pastors I know we've had conversations and one of the comments they said to me a few times was Jesus is perfect theology. In our conversation, we're talking about things and and basically it just says, if you want to get to know God, look at Jesus. Read the Gospels. Read the Bible and look for Jesus in the Old Testament. Look for how he was portrayed and pictured in the Old Testament. And then look at him in the New Testament. Look at him in the epistles and how Paul says all these amazing things and the other epistles that are written and the the language of of the Old Testament and the language of the New Testament and how Christ is pictured and painted and shown. And you and I have that direct relationship with him. Jesus is perfect theology. Don't waste your time studying all these other things. Spend your time, invest your time studying Jesus. Spend your time studying the Word. Spend your time learning and growing and meditating on Him. Memorize the Scriptures. Because when you memorize it, you'll be able to pull it again later. If you don't memorize it, you won't have the ability to pull it. So get to know Jesus. Get to know the one who's first, the one who's complete, the one who's able, the one who did it all, the one who is the mediator. Get to know him. Another thing I want us to see was in the law, it says in this passage that the law put us guilty. Another way of saying is that the law put us in custody or imprisoned us or shut us up. It says in the Old Testament, it was shut up and Christ came and he made us free. He paid the price and he proclaimed us not guilty because, or God proclaimed us not guilty because of what Jesus had done. That goes against a lot of the things that fly around in our minds. But look at somebody right now in your home. And if you don't have anybody with you, say it to yourself I am free. Look at somebody and say that. I am free. Look at somebody again. Look at them again and smile. Smile when you say this. I am not guilty. I mean, that's dangerous. But I think sometimes we play it too safe. And I have found in life when I play it safe, I don't experience the best and the greatest things that God has for me. Push into God. Read his word. I'm not saying come up with some crazy idea, but I believe we don't understand the beauty of Jesus because we haven't spent time getting to know him. And just in these seven or eight verses, there's illustration and example and, and point after point after point about the beauty of Jesus, the freedom that he brought us, the fact that Paul could say to them, you are free, unequivocally, with no argument, with no hesitation, you are free. Why? Because of Jesus. Another aspect is the law would expose. The law exposed. The law exposed. In the Old Testament, they'd have to bring a, an offering. And sometimes you could tell by the offering what they had done. Oh, there goes David again with a couple more turtle doves. Oh, and he was a bad boy. And it, and you, it would expose you. The law exposed you practically, but also in your own self. It exposed your inabilities, and it exposed your weaknesses and your failures. Jesus came, and he covered The law may expose, but Jesus covers. A perfect picture of that and a beautiful picture of that is in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. What did God do? He gave them clothes and he covered them. Their nakedness, their weakness, their exposure. And Jesus came. And what did he do? He covered you and I. It doesn't mean that we continue doing what we do wrong. That does not mean what, that's not what it's saying there. But what it says is when I do wrong, I have realized that I am covered by him. I repent, which is a change of mind, a change in thinking. And when I can change my thinking, I can be transformed I change my thinking and I change my direction and because of that I won't continue doing what I've done before But I take the grace that God has for me I apply it to my life and I say I'm not guilty and I'm going to continue and move forward I hope You're getting excited as I am Because right now I'm about ready to do a five-second praise break I'm about ready to burst out. Thank you, God that all of my transgressions, my inability, my effort, the fact that I needed a mediator, and that I was guilty, that I was exposed, that I was incomplete, thank you that you came and made a way where there was no way and that you're the first one. You're complete. You're whole. Another one I want you to see is through the law, they were always looking for Approval. Through the law, you brought the sacrifice to deal with your guilt and establish your approval. When you come to Christ, you're approved. When you come to Christ, you're approved. You don't have to seek the approval of men. You don't have to seek the approval of this group or that group. You don't have to seek the approval of your mom or dad. You are approved by God. Now in Timothy, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So the approval that I have with God doesn't mean I just sit there and do nothing. It's because I'm approved by him, I will press in and I will pursue and I will get to know him more. In John, it says, in 1 John, I believe it is, it says that because we, are, we love, because we, Christ loved us, we love. He loved first and because of that, I love. And what happened was the law put effort, work, Uh, All those doing and the performance, and Christ came, and he performed, and he satisfied all the need of the law. And then he says, now you come to me. Come to me, and you are weary, and I'll give you rest. Why could he say that? Because he was the perfect one, and he fulfilled the promise. Got a couple other things here. The law was temporary, the promise was temporary. Is eternal the law was external the promise is internal and as you get to know Christ you find out that he works from the inside out we quite often work from the outside in but Christ works from the inside out a few other things I want to read to you just quickly If you've got a pen and paper, you can write these down yourself. There was always failure and always an ultimate aspect of of a reminder that they were never good enough in the law. Because it says if the law could have made you perfect or righteous, it would have, but it couldn't. So there was always a reminder of their inability their exposure, their need, Christ came and he said, I fulfill that. Now you get fulfilled through me. I found it interesting as I was studying, one of the ways it reads was, if the law could impart life, it would. And when you study that word life, what it talks about is that Christ came, the promise came, and he gave us righteousness. And what is righteousness? According to that context, the righteousness is talking about the life that we have in Christ. And the life that we have in Christ is a transcendent life. I was talking to some people this week. It's a resurrecting life, and it doesn't mean that it waits till I die to resurrect, but that passage talks about the fact that I now live a new life in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus has done. And the life that Christ has for me, the life that Christ has for you, is a transcendent life. Don't settle for the same old, same old, when Christ came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. The life that Christ has for you is living at a whole nother level. And I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. I'm meditating on that. Because I find quite often our human minds and our our reasoning brings it down and and we have excuses. But what about this? But what about that? Why don't we try to get rid of those and say, yeah, but what about what Jesus said? And he said in John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came to give you life and to give it to you overflowing. The life that he has for you now is a transcendent life. I feel like I'm yelling this morning. I hope you get my emotion. The law was never enough. It was never enough. Because you were constantly going back. You were constantly going to the priest. You were constantly bringing up this offering. You were constantly dealing with the guilt or the need. It was never enough. Do you know with with Christ, it's more than enough. This morning as we've been taking these few minutes, my prayer is that you would start to realize the beauty of the promise Paul said uh, his whole theme in Galatians is freedom. And the first three or four chapters, what he does is he lays out theological and practical arguments and he debates the issue of freedom from a biblical perspective, what Christ did, and he shows it. In the last couple chapters, which we'll get to soon, he talks about how we live that free life. But the first number of chapters he talks about and says, you're free. Why are you free? You're free because of Father Abraham. Another chapter, you're free. Why are you free? You're free because you're dead to sin. Another chapter, you're free. Yes, you're free because of the promise. And he goes after it from different angles, and each time he's saying, you're free, you're free, you're free. This morning I'm telling you, you're free. You're free from harassment. You're free from the addictions that seem to bag you down and to weigh you down. Throw them aside, as it says in Hebrews. Throw aside those things that so easily beset you and put your focus and run the race. Why? Because you're free. And those things do not stop me now because now I am free, I'm approved, and I'm complete in Christ. I am in Christ. Christ. The last few, the last few verses, um, Paul was talking about in, in this passage, and he said, listen, you are free, and now you are in Christ. You've been baptized in him, and you are part of the family of God. And as he's talking, he says, listen, you now are heirs of the promise The promise that we see in Christ Jesus, we are heirs of that. We are recipients of that promise. We are recipients of what Christ has done for us. I've got a couple more here for you. Hallelujah. Man's abilities. The law. The law was was pretty much man's abilities. The promise is Christ and his abilities. Another aspect of, of the law, and we talked a little bit about this at the beginning, was the law was a, a contract, a relationship that Christ or God had said, here, I'm a holy God, and these are things you do. And you approach me in this manner. And then what happened, and he had Moses as the mediator. The one who was, who's the one between that people and God. And then he, Jesus comes, and Jesus says, no, now you come to the Father through Jesus Christ, who actually is God. I, I can't explain it all, I can't figure that all out, but Jesus is, he's part of the Godhead, he's part of the Trinity, but he's also God. He's no less God. So you and I have this amazing, amazing relationship with God. I want to say a few things. You and I now have direct access to God through Christ. Jesus gave. The law demanded. The law put a demand on people. Jesus said, I've come to give. Another aspect is Jesus did what you and I could never do, because if you and I could do it, we would do it through this avenue, and we could never do it. But Jesus came, and he did it. He did what we could never do. Can you imagine what it would be like if somebody figured out how to get right with God in today's day and age, apart from Jesus, on Facebook? I have now the silver lining, and I have the way... And, and it would be ridiculous. And Paul says, listen, we don't boast in what we've done because we did nothing. It's all because of Jesus. The promise is always better than the effort, our inabilities, and what we could do. The promise is always better. And what we have seen, and I've think you may remember me saying this a few times, God moves us from good to better to best. And the promise, my brother and my sister, is the best. The promise that he has for you and I is best. And that's the way God is. That's the beauty of the promise. That makes me fall in love with my Savior, the fact that his promise, it's better, it's better Quit beating yourself up. Quit looking in the mirror and condemning yourself and beating yourself up over something that happened last week, last year, yesterday, or 10 years ago. Stop beating yourself up and say, his blood cleanses me, he heals me of all my iniquities, he forgives me of my iniquities, he heals me, and he sets me on a rock, and he is my healer, he is my provider, he is the promise, he is the one in whom I call. And instead of dwelling in the past, look to the future of what the promise has, Jesus Christ has for you. Hallelujah. And how do you do that? You do that through faith. You do it through faith. You do it through believing, not through your work. The law was work, work, work. The promise is believe, believe, believe faith so as we close this morning i want to encourage you this morning i want to encourage you this week that you would look to christ and you would see the beauty of his promise and that you would put your conviction your belief and you would be fully completely persuaded nobody could talk you out of it that jesus is the one who takes care and heals you and sets you right and he is the one who is life and life eternal and put your, all the arguments aside and say, I will trust in the one who give his, gave his life for me. I will trust in the one who took all of my inabilities, all of my effort, all of my doing, doing, doing. And I will trust in the one who said, come to me and fall on me. And I will come to the one who said, if I believe in him, I'll have eternal life. And I would encourage you, do that every single day. Be mindful of what Christ has done for you because it will change how you relate with others. And by the way, when you do that, you will be a witness to your neighborhood. You will walk without condemnation. You will walk with your head high. You will walk in strength and confidence. you walk with swagger. You'll walk with your shoulder high. Why? Because of what Christ has done for you. So I'd like to pray for you now. If you're driving, keep your eyes open and your, your eyes on the road. But if you're sitting in your home, if you're, if you're sitting with somebody, could we take, just take a moment to close our eyes together? And let's just take a moment, apart from the distractions or the comforts of home, and let's just take a moment to have a conversation direct with God. And I'd like to pray for you, and and at the end, I encourage you to, to say, so be it. Amen. I agree with that. So Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus, who came when all my efforting and all my attempts and all the harassment just put me in a hole and pushed me further and further and further down, and Jesus came and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I thank you, Father, for that. And this week, God, I ask that I would have a greater appreciation, a greater understanding, and a greater expression Of your love to me. And your love to me would affect how I would look and love on others. And I thank you, Father, that it's not based on my efforts, my abilities, or my standing, but it's all based on what Jesus Christ did for me. I thank you for that freedom. I thank you, Lord, that I am set free because of Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would God, I pray that God bless you, God keep you, God cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. And will he be with you in every step, every decision, every conversation this week? He is for you. He is not against you. God bless you. Have a great week.